Hi, I'm Chris Claremont. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics and hopefully reading one of mine. And it's not dead. It's beautiful life. Oh! See that? It's right. Conceptual continuity is one of my favorite things. That's why I love Zappa so much. There is continuity straight across his au revoir. Au revoirs. Everything. Got him. Yeah. First to the last. And you know, I'm stupid. I put that link up to his final concert on the Facebook not realizing that it came from a music blog which has a link to download everything he's ever recorded <laughs> so I'm like uh, I guess I made a faux pas there but I bought it pass. I'm just saying I, I bought it all you should buy it too but yeah, if, right. if, if you'd like to sample I didn't tell you to do it but it's there mm-hmm. uh-huh. yes boy they got some big doings this week they're getting two episodes from us Damn. They earned it. I love it. Done something special. They done earned it. We got I some love doing this. Some catching up to do. So we do. We do. And um, we have a book of the month announcement to make too, which we'll do later on. Oh, nice. That's all been finalized, and we got a, a winner. We do have a winner. Amazing. Sweet. I think I'm going to have a little bit more active involvement in the next one. Because I just kind of like lean back and let David pick them all. But there's one or two I would like to. If only David gave you a chance to throw he, your. He does. Seriously. No, he does. Yeah. But I'm just saying there there are a couple books out there that should they win, chances are very slim that they would. But I would love to witness your reaction to these books mm. in a forced yes. reading situation. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like if I put a gold digger trade up there and my buddies on the Patreon all voted for it, you guys would have to read it. That's all I'm saying. It would be a wonderful thing. <laughs> and this is another wonderful thing. It's 11 o'clock. <laughs> oh. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I have started drinking earlier than usual this episode because it's 11 11- we have 11 o'clock comics episode 523 and i'm a very happy vince b that makes me very happy to hear that you are a very happy vince b i am david a price yeah it's true and i'm not fat i'm just big bone because i'm Vern tessio no you're not Vern tessio now you're going to ask me, do you know who Vern Tessio is? To which I will reply, no, I don't. You no. do. You just don't realize it. Who do I know? Who is this? Vern is Jerry O'Connell's chubby character from Stand By Me. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're not Vern. Oh, Vern. What's up, Vern? I could have been Denny Lachance, played by John Cusack. Or Ace Merrill, played by Kiefer Sutherland. Ah. Teddy Duchamp. Played by Corey Feldman. Yes. Yep. Chris Chambers. Played by River Phoenix. Mm, cool. 
<laughs> we could go on. We could go on yeah. all night. Oh, it sounds like you, it was a not, hell of a cast. It was. A hell of a it cast. was. It was. But yes. you're not IMDb.com. You're Jason <laughs> Wood. Everybody's in the house. Jason. Vincent. I have a favor to ask you. Ooh. Okay. Yes. One of the things I read for tonight's show. Right. Surprised me greatly, and mm-hmm. I want to create a standing order with you, because you are. The uh, of the three of us, I believe you read the most Marvel. Okay. Should the Man Thing ever appear in a comic? Please, I'll let you know. Please tell me. Okay. Because the comic I read had the Man Thing in it. In a, I don't want to say secondary. It's almost a tertiary role. They don't even mm-hmm. mention his name, but he's in it, and I didn't know, and I. We should have like a, a Google alert, a Jason Wood alert that tells, right. tells his buddy Vince when the man thing appears in a Marvel comic. I'm trying to think what issue you're talking about. But I will get to it. I don't want to spill the okay. beans. We'll get to it. All right. Um, cool. And it, uh, the beans have been spilled. Not yet. If you, uh, you know, would like to get the inside track of all these books we talk about, there's one place to get them, and that's Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has everything that you desire from the previews catalog for an eensy-teensy fraction of the retail price. It's so true. And the specials are up, and they are amazing. First off, it's a big deal. We've uh, we've said this last week. We're going to say it again. Action Comics 1000 is a big freaking deal. Mm-hmm. $7.99 cover price. It's an extra size prestige format issue featuring new art and stories by Bendis, John Cassidy, Olivier Coipel, Paul Dini, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Patrick Gleason, Butch Geis, Jeff Johns, Dan Jurgens, Tom King, Jim Lee, Clay Mann, Brad Meltzer, Jerry Ordway, Tim Sale, Louise Simonson, Scott Snyder, Kurt Swan, Peter J. Tomasi, Marv Wolfman, Doug Monkey, I don't know why they put him in, they don't put him in the list, but he's not in the list, but he's in the book, Doug Monkey, and many more. And there's 10 covers to this thing. It is a celebration unlike any other. And for just cause, very, very few comics reach the coveted 1,000 issue mark. Action is one of them. You should read this. From Dark Horse. Another amazing creator, Gabriel Hardman, is at the helm of the A- Aliens franchise with his Dust to Dust miniseries, four issues. This is the first. You can get it for $1.99. And uh, bringing up the rear, but not in our hearts, it is Jason's cousin, Brian Wood. Is yes. Right. He is. He's writing the newest iteration of the RoboCop franchise it's at boom it's called robocop citizens arrest number one it's a 3.99 cover price illustrated by jorge cojelo um but you super smart person that you are know well enough to get it from dcbservice.com where it will only cost you a dollar 99 dc you know why um hmm. jason you know why vince picked robocop right no uh, the david rubin covers Ooh. Yeah, they are nice. They're very nice. I can't mm. They're nice. <laughs> DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all shipped all nice and safe and secure right to your front door. Falling off a bike is harder. 
Mm. <laughs> yep. So uh, what are we drinking, my friends? Ooh. Well, since you started early tonight, I am dying to find out what it is that uh, got you all ripped and raring to go. It's the mystery grape. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's grape. And it's 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 the unknown quantity. It's the X factor of wines. I don't know what it is, but I'm drinking it. It's it's tasty. Drinking it, drinking it, drinking it. Well, what about you, Jason? I am drinking Santa Julia Reserve, Argentinian table wine mm. of of oft mentioned. Mm. Mm-hmm. Gotta love uh, those table wines. Well, yep. they they are tasty. I am having some oft discussed, especially in our Twitter group. 19 Crimes, The Banished, Dark Red from 2016. It's amazing. 19 Crimes gets a lot of love. Yeah, it's definitely in yeah. vogue right now. I must yeah, try. Funny. I must try it. I, th- I think you dig it. I really do. I'm sure you're right. All right. Into the comics. Can I go first? Oh, please do. I have a lot of questions that I, oh. I, I hope Jason can answer for me. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. All right. Oof. Somebody's... Mute, mute button's your friend. <laughs> Never. <laughs> oh, it isn't? It's, it's, really... it's your BFF, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is written by Robbie Thompson. And when I tell you the art team, there's one name that's going to stick out. You're going to be like, okay, so that's why you read it. Uh, pencils by Chris Bicello. Scott Hepburn and Marcus Toe. Inks by Livesay, Alve, Wayne Faucher, Victor Olazaba, Scott Hepburn, Bocello, and Marcus Toe. That's a lot of inkers. Color art by Chris O'Halloran, O'Halloran, sorry, and Ian Herring. It is my first sampling of this series, 27 issues in, Spider-Man Deadpool. <laughs> now, my question to you. We're being told that Deadpool has his own helicarrier. It's in the body of a Megalodon? Or it is the Megalodon? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why I would know that. Don't you read Spider-Man Deadpool? I've read one issue of it so far. Oh, shit. Okay, well, Deadpool's tooling around with these two giant megalodons, and they have sensors or something all over them. Mm -hmm. And one of them's named Bruce. Okay. Um, And I'm guessing that the helicarrier, because there are dialogue balloons coming from the sharks, and I'm I'm guessing the sharks aren't talking. So I'm assuming that the helicarrier is somehow within the body of this shark or sharks. So you can't answer my question. I cannot. Okay. And you probably can't answer any other one then. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's not. Uh, it, I think I talked about what issue 25 on it, but I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's, it's the only issue I've read. All right. So hanging around with Deadpool is none other than Manphibian. Again, that should be a flag. Should Manphibian ever appear in a Marvel comedy? You got to tell me. <laughs> okay. Hellcow. From Howard the Duck, the friggin' hell cow is in Spider-Man Deadpool. And, but here's, here's the big rub. The big rub that gets me all kinds of excited. Mm-hmm. Clay Quartermain 
is in the ensemble, and he seems to have the man thing growing on him. It's it's just a stalk and an eyeball and one of the carrot-like tendrils that protrude from the Man-Thing's semblance of a face. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's coming out from part of Quartermain. I don't know if it's, if it's like a parrot on his shoulder or if it's actually attached to him. But the Man-Thing is, is wrapped around his, a little bit of his arm. And wherever Clay Quartermain goes, the Man-Thing goes. Like, you, do you know when this happened and why? I don't. It's a it it's intriguing. So do I have to go back and and buy all of Spider-Man Deadpool to find out? I will. Uh, I will I will do it. Are we sure that it happened in Spider-Man Deadpool? No, but I I I, I hesitate to think where where else it could have happened because it's it you know, it's a left field pairing. Quartermain mm-hmm. and, and left field is what Deadpool's all about. So yeah. I'm guessing that it, it happened here. I, it, it may sound like I have more questions than answers, and it's true. But I read this comic, and it was it was fun, you know. Um, from what I'm picking up, Deadpool stole a giant cache of weapons from Tabula Rasa. And in the process, he left Spidey there to clean up after him. See, Spidey's tagging along with Deadpool because... Spider-Man realizes what a menace Deadpool is, and he wants to bring him in, but he accompanies him. I mean, it's a paper-thin premise. He he accompanies mm-hmm. him on his mis- missions, not out of any kind of sense of camaraderie or or you know. He just wants to make sure Deadpool doesn't do anything earth-shakingly bad. Deadpool-y. And, and right, and bring him in. Whereas Deadpool loves Spider-Man. And he looks up to him and thinks he's like the greatest. And so Deadpool's there for the sheer fun of it. Spider-Man's there to police Deadpool. That's, I guess, the the starting point of this series. Mm-hmm. And um, so within the weapons was a something to do with a robot army. And the this piece of paper got into the hands of the chameleon, which you'll have to wait till a little while when I get to it. But So all these weapons are gone. So Clay Quartermain, former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Clay Quartermain, is now working with Deadpool to find another giant cache of weapons to sell. Um, and he finds it in this off-the-books Black Ops S.H.I.E.L.D., a one-time S.H.I.E.L.D., Site. I guess I'm guessing Shield is no more, right? Shield is is dissolved, mm-hmm. and and um, so they used well, to have hmm. sort of. I mean, not really though, right? I mean, Maria Hill was just recruiting the thing. Oh, because in another book I read, possibly for this episode, maybe next. I don't know. Um, there's an installation where the director is talking smack against shield like that's why they went down because they didn't mm-hmm. take good care of their extra dimensional trinkets but that's here nor there um yeah. so th- this area this site was called area 14 and it was a dumping ground for interdimensional creatures and weapons and deadpool and clay 
waltz in. They got these hologram disguises on. And they weighed heads for the weapons. Um, and a jilted Spidey arrives to put a stop to the whole mess and bring Nutso to to justice. But long story short, um, there's this room called Vault 22. And there's a flashback where someone tells Deadpool, whatever you do, don't open Vault 22. So what does Deadpool do? He opens Vault 22 and out pours uh, Beetlejuice-esque tentacled horror. Bicello does a great job drawing it. It's And, and of course, the tentacles have stripes. Bicello loves stripes. Um, we saw it in Doctor Strange. He just loves juxtaposing darks and lights next to each other. And it, and it looks great. It really does. This tentacled horror spits out of Vault 22 and Deadpool does what Deadpool does and chops it to bits and there's a there's a safe within Vault 22 and there's this device in the safe um, which Deadpool gives to Spidey. Only bad part is it wasn't Spidey at all. It was the chameleon. And the chameleon takes this device, which, as if you remember, I'm talking about this piece of paper in the previous job that lists this giant robot army that need to be fired up with a very special device. And where do you think the device was? In Vault 22. So now the chameleon has a giant robot army and a way of firing them up. And that's the entire issue. But it was just, it was fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. Ve- what? <laughs> I, I enjoyed it very much, but it's but continued. what prompted you to read this particular issue? Did you someone else tell you that Man-Thing was in it? No, I saw the cover and it said Chris Pacello. So uh, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'll, I'll read anything Pacello does. Mm-hmm. So I, I read it and I, I enjoyed it. And um, it would probably drive David absolutely insane. Because the art swings from page to page. You get a couple pages of Bocello, then you get a couple pages of Scott Hepburn, you get some Marcus Toe, and it's it's like a baker's dozen of of inkers on this thing yeah. too. I know Hepburn's the, uh, the 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 main artist right now. And it's not even like it's not like they got someone to meld yeah, it's not complimentary. No. I love Hepburn. I, I think Hepburn's a fantastic artist. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a couple of pages with with Chris and then Scott and then have multiple inkers on some other pencilers, it's, I, I definitely get what you're But even, even at Doctor Strange stuff, Chris had a few inkers on, on those issues, and those were mostly penciled by him. Right. So I, I, I'm kind of mm-hmm. expecting it these days from certain people. Yeah. But I mean the Hepburn stuff is great. It just it's it's a, a different animal than the Bocello stuff. You mm-hmm. know, Hepburn does not take the same approach. He's very slick and beautifully illustrative and the and the creatures are really well designed. And then right. you get Bocello who just does Bocello, which is perfect in my book. Um it it's a mixed bag, but it's not off putting to my eyes. Like I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Variation Notwithstanding, I mean, that doesn't bother me. But mm-hmm. I could, I could see how someone going through this issue would be like, "Wait a minute, you know, reality switch. This is, this does not look like this." So if if you have a problem with that, if it pulls you out, then 
may, this may not be the issue for you, but I thought it was fine. And I'm just intrigued with this whole man thing angle. Like, why is it on Clay Quartermain? If anybody knows or has been reading this book, chime in, whether it's on the Facebooks. Hey, baby. If it's on the Facebooks or on the, you know, the, the Patreon or on, on Twitter or whatever, let me know. Like, when did this start so I know where to read from? Yeah, I mean, because the last time I remember seeing Man Thing was an old man Logan, when he was part of the Howling Commandos, that and when they rescued Jubilee from Dracula. Okay, well, the Howling Commandos are referenced in this issue, mm-hmm. and Clay Quartermain and the, was uh, with them. Is the R.L. Stein series mentioned at all? Hell, oh, I hope not, because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm wondering if maybe that's when some of these things happen that you're not aware of, Vince. Yeah, and I feel bad if it's uh, I feel bad if that's the case. Well, For if you, I feel if, bad. if so, I will never really know because I read I read one issue of the R.L. Stein thing. I will never read past mm-hmm. that. It was just a blasphemous. Well, in, in we've error. got our EOC faithful. Will so, someone amongst the Legion will have an answer for you? Cool, I'm sure. Um, while one of you is talking, maybe I'll I'll throw it up on the Twitters and and we'll get an answer before the Whoa, end of the episode. So getting the Twitter, holy crap, man! Look at you. It's on Twitter. He must really want an answer. I do. Reengaging. Want an hey, it's all good. Do you remember the Twitter password? But um, <laughs> no, I will put it on mine. People follow me. You know. Well, People no, you probably put me. it on Facebook, and this way, is that links to Twitter? I, I know what you're doing. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, very enjoyable, a lot of fun, a lot of non-sectors and, and Deadpool-isms and silliness, and it, it was exactly what I expected it to be. Right. And it was not an unenjoyable experience. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. That's cool. I, I will continue with it. Look at you giving Deadpool some shine. Yeah. Um, And it's odd because Hepburn doesn't take the Warner Brothers route. With Deadpool, like some artists approach him like a veritable cartoon character, where his body's malleable and squishy and lumpy and you can pull it apart. And you know, that Bocello does that. Like Deadpool's head is hideously deformed in some panels, like, like a cartoon character. And I'm all right with that. I think that's fine. I also like when, when Deadpool is self aware that he is a comic book character. That really speaks to me i love that and there's an instance of that in the comic too so fun stuff all right right on yeah i love it you should tell me next time though (laughs) well if i was reading it i would have well you should read it all the time just for the very sake of telling me these things yeah (laughs) yeah i think it's one of the great misconceptions of our show that i that i'm up to date on all Deadpool related comics. Um, that could be true, but you also read far more quickly than than Dapper myself. You consume more comics in the yes. in the same yes. amount of time. You read much more than we do. Yes, mayhap, mayhap, no mayhap. No, but sure. I also do track what I read for the show. So you haven't seen me have Deadpool Spider Man on there, Spidey Deadpool on there. Really. Yeah, but is that list you is, is that list current? Is what I'm saying. Up to date to the minute. Yep. Okay. But yes, to the I mean, minute. I, I agree with you, Vince. J- Jason does have a commute that allows him to, at times, catch up on some reading. Right. Oh, yeah. Get ahead. Not just catch up. Get ahead. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah, mayhap. Mayhap. All right. So I want to hear something from either of you. Some joy. Some joy. Yes. Some joy. 
Oi. Well, I will say, um, I, I did mention last week about catching up on the Avengers, Mark Wade's Avengers. Yes. And that was in anticipation of getting ready to dive into No Surrender, which is a 16-issue weekly Avengers event that is happening under the titular title, um, which is co-written by Mr. Wade, uh, Jim Zub, and who's the third person? Why can I not think of the third person right now? Um, I really can't think of the third person. That's odd. Hmm. 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 Uh, Al Ewing? Yes, thank you. Al Ewing, apologies. With incredible, incredible art by Pepe Larraz. Love him. Oh, my God, dude. First of all, let me just come right out and say it. I, as I mentioned last week, I thought that, um, I thought that the the Wade uh, little joint that tied up his Avengers team with the the youngsters, uh, the champions. I thought that was good. It was enjoyable. But a lot of folks on the EOC Facebook group and on the Twitters and whatnot have been saying it. No surrender is. Uh, is legit, and I was skeptical because putting out a book every week it makes me think like, mm, like it almost feels like a fifth week event type of thing. But man, were they right! I have read Avengers six seventy five through six seventy nine, and so it's roughly one third of the story thus far, and it is freaking awesome. It is off to an awesome start. It's the best Avengers story we've had in a long time. It's classic Avengers. Huge, huge problem requiring all of the greatest heroes available working together to win the situation. And it is an uh, incredible mix of core characters with some fringe characters. It pays homage to lots of different eras, but in a, a cohesive way. It's got a couple different layers of, of, of baddies that that um, I think make make everybody feel giddy. Uh, and the LaRaz art is freaking amazing. It's yeah, absolutely it's amazing. He's good. Um, yeah. And this is, uh, I, I have to say, I didn't really know what this was until I started reading it. This is, a, um, I guess I should have known by the fact that all three writers were involved, but, but this is an Avengers event that requires all the Avengers. So you've got the U.S. Avengers, you've got the Unity Squad, You've got the the you know the main the titular Avengers, and then you've got some reserves who aren't currently affiliated with any specific team, and essentially something happens that makes the Earth disappear, and as a result of that, the Earth has been pulled somewhere else out of its orbit. So as a result, things are going haywire, as one might expect. Um, there's massive damage all across the world. Uh, at the same time, a tremendous number of heroes and villains on Earth have been frozen in stasis. Essentially, almost—I mean, uh, they're cut. They're, Pepe draws them in a kind of a bluish hue, um, but they're frozen, almost like they're frozen in time. Um, they seem fine otherwise, but they can't—they can't move. Um, 
And we quickly learn that the Earth has been chosen as the game field for a grand cosmic game. And it's being led by the Grandmaster. For all of you Silver Surfer Ron Lim fans, he's one of the elders of the universe. The Grandmaster versus the Challenger, who, if you have never heard of the Challenger, I don't blame you. But the Challenger has been somewhat retconned into being another elder of the universe. And many, 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 many moons ago, uh, the Grandmaster took the Challenger's place as the Grandmaster. And in doing so, banished him into uh, essentially non-existing. But he's back now, and so he he wants his role back. And so they're settling that. As, as the elders often are fond of doing by having a grand game, um, putting uh, different players in motion. And so Earth is the setting, and the heroes that haven't been frozen are, in essence, part of the game map. They're essentially just there to run interference or try to stop the teams that these two elders have assembled. And the two teams that the elders have assembled are... Uh, perhaps not what you would have expected in that um, it's a team that we have, we, especially we, are quite uh, familiar with. And then there is a brand new team with a familiar name. And what I'm talking about is um, there is a new version of the Lethal Legion. What? Yes. A new version of the Lethal Legion, but it's a, it's an, um, um, what's the word? It's, it's an alien, uh, so a group of aliens. So it's, it's it's an alien it's, legion. It's an alien lethal legion. <laughs> nice. Yes, it is an alien lethal legion with some familiar uh, names, but not um, but all new characters. It's um, let's um, there is a uh, and there like some of them are, are are somewhat familiar in their in their species. There is um, the Blood Brothers, but they're again they're different. They're they're two twin looking. Giant, uh, oversized, uh, super strong characters that uh, you know are from some some other alien. Uh, there's a Cree uh, that's the captain. Um, there is this awesome, crazy looking, like straight out of an Alan Davis uh, book, tentacled, octopus like alien that's called Menticle, which I love. <laughs> it's awesome, uh, Menticle. Um, there is. A giant um, looks almost like a like Conan um, with dude's got like skulls, a necklace made of skulls, and a giant sword, and uh, he's named um, uh, Chaw. There's a new metal master who's this little big-headed alien dude, but he's got complete control over all types of metal. There's a a female assassin named Farine, and then the the Kree I mentioned is the the leader named Captain Glory. So you've got them, and they are, uh, you know, they're one of the teams that are put onto the playing field. Um, and then uh, and then the other team is a team that we happen to have away from their first ever appearance. Oh. Yes. Do you know what I speak of? I believe they appeared in Infinity. You are correct. Yay! You are correct, sir. The Black Order. 
otherwise known as the Cull Obsidian, are the other team. Jesus. Yeah. So it's pretty dope. So you've got the Black Order, which is uh, Black Swan, Corvus Glaive, um, Black Dwarf, uh, Ebony Maul, Proxima Midnight, Supergiant, um, all from uh, Infinity, as David just mentioned. They are a team, and they are up against this new Lethal Legion. And essentially, the way it's working is, uh, it's like a game of chess. The, the, the Grandmaster gets to name a stake. So in this case, uh, it's kind of like a game of uh, um, like an elemental card game, Vince. He, one of them names an element, and then the other one gets to name um, like another aspect, and then that, that forms the challenge of where this pyramid, which is basically a pyramidical token, it's like a capture the flag, appears at some point on Earth. And the game is afoot, and it's basically this, this, this huge game of cosmic capture the flag. And uh, and wanton destruction in the process. So now, meanwhile, all of the Earth heroes that aren't frozen are having to defend Earth against all of these characters. Um, although they're not really quite aware as to what's going on, at least not yet. Um, but then there's some other crazy undercurrent. You may have heard about this because this has been getting a bit of um, reaction and or pushback. It was hinted for a few months that there was a character called Voyager. And so, and this is where it gets interesting. Voyager, whose real name is Val Vector, Valerie Vector, comes back in No Surrender. And you say, what do you mean comes back? Well, Mark Wade has retconned her to be a founding member of the Avengers that was lost for all this time and has just come back from being lost. Could be could it be a byproduct of some kind of time slip? Well, it could be byproduct of the battle world being you know all the the one universe right, now, right, right, yeah. But but I mean he's he's all on board. Like like she, when all this is happening, there's an Avengers roll call to all the Avengers reserve everyone to show up, and when they show up, they assume it was Falcon who called everyone there because he's the leader of the head Avengers team, and he said I didn't call you guys, and then you hear off. No, it was it was it was I who called you, and and then they show this woman, uh, Val Vector, um, and she, her costume kind of looks like a mix between it's it's a, a kind of a a retro mini skirt joint that Janet Van Dyne would often be seen wearing. Um, she's got silver long silver hair and and silver like clear silver eyes uh, with a V belt, and she. All of a sudden, they look, and they're, and they're like, oh, it's Voyager. But you could tell everybody knows who she is. Those that have never met her know of her. They all thought she was dead. And then they actually show you, and, and they even give you fake um, fake retconned um, reference bubbles to other events. So they show her she's part of the original Avengers founding team statue. She's the... She's apparently the only one of the founding members that stays around when the team recycles, which, of course, as we all know, is when Cap took over and mm-hmm. you had Hawkeye and So in this retcon, she was a founding member. She was the only one that stayed with that team. And then she ends up disappearing in a grand battle uh, in issue number 70. And this is where it gets super meta if you're a Mark Wade fan. She was, she was thought to be killed in a giant battle with a character named Captain Victory. Oh, shit. Wow. Now, Cap- now, Captain Victory is drawn 
to look exactly like Triumph from Mark Wade's run on Justice League of America. And where it gets super meta is that Triumph, when Mark Wade created him, was a was was retconned in as a founding member of the Justice League of America. <laughs> See, this is amazing to me. Like, I want to yeah. read this now. Yes, yeah, I'm dude. Going to read so this, yeah. Wade is taking his same trick he did with Justice League over to the Avengers, and then it's so awesome because he's he, she disappeared fighting her DC counterpart that was the same idea that he did like thirty years ago or twenty five years ago. Right, but the thing yeah. that's that's really tickling my my fancy here is the way they have Val Vector yeah, yeah. inserted into the cover of the first issue of Avengers on the, on the cover. Of oh the yeah. Second. Yeah. Yeah. That's really like cool. I said, she, she's in the statue. They have her, they, they have her naming the Avengers instead of Thor. They have her, um, uh, exclaiming Avengers assemble when she, when they introduced the new team, which was from Avengers 16, they have her, um, Making the, the the comment even an android can cry, uh, which was from Avengers fifty eight. Uh, yeah, and then and then like I said, she she disappears fighting Victory the electromagnetic man. Um, so it's pretty groovy. I, I don't know if this is only going to be for the story. Like if she somehow goes back out of existence by the end or gives her life, I don't know. Um, but I did do a little Google sleuthing, and it does seem at least for now, all of the Marvel editors are playing playing fair and, and acting as though no no she's retconned in like she's now in continent she's she was in continuity of founding member of the avengers so it's yeah. pretty trippy pretty trippy and i don't want to hear anybody hating on it because it's no, like well, this well, is comics dude this is comics like no i like, was just gonna say yeah. hypocrite that i am i have no problem with this whereas mm-hmm. dicking with the comedian caused me all sorts of grief yes right so i i guess it just depends on it how depends it's presented on, it depends, yeah yeah this seems to be in the spirit of fun right where, absolutely where that yeah. thing that we read last week was in the spirit of i don't have any more ideas so i'm just gonna <laughs> I, no and i i I'll, I'll i'll back you up there um two two things come to mind one uh this reminds me an awful lot just writers having fun with things is um when Kurt Busiek was writing JLA, um, Ron Garney was on pencils, and it was immediately following the JLA Avengers crossover. And there's a there's a panel with um, with the egg from that miniseries, and 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 uh, it it basically allowed. Kurt or DC to, to actually say that the JLA Avengers crossover is actually in canon and, and affected uh, the DC universe. But second, um, oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so was the last time they tried Marvel tried to retcon and bring someone back and it, it, it worked more or less successfully was, was would that be Jessica Jones as Jewel? I know they try to do it with Blue Marvel. I know they've tried to do it with Century, but the only one that really kind of works for me to date, having not read this yet, is them trying to shoehorn Jewel into Avengers lore. Mm-hmm. It's a good the, question. Um, the the yeah, thing about probably. this, it's a it's a new character, right? Wade is giving yeah. them something new. Yeah, I Which, have hey? absolutely no problem with that. 
You hate when writers give things away. I, I, I do, but, you know, it's case, <laughs> case by case basis. If, if, you, if you're on the upswing, you're coming up and you're giving Marvel all mm-hmm. these good things, mm, Wade is established. He's, he's doing it out of the, the sense of, of what's right for the story, the sense of, mm-hmm. of fun. Wade probably doesn't care less that he's giving them a new character because he's Mark Wade. He could just come up with another one, you know? Listen, and uh, yeah, and she's she's an. I mean, it's not like the character is groundbreaking. She's a teleporter, basically. Yeah, but I mean, it it doesn't matter the if the if the character is is groundbreaking or not. It's a distraction. It's something new. Great. Yeah, I mean, that's what we need is a distraction. Yes, absolutely. And I have to say, the uh, I also think it's smart the way they have a lot of the heroes frozen, which I just take as his way of of of. Setting up a chance. Well, not just. I keep saying Wade. It, it, we should say it, it is Wade Zub and Ewing, all co-writers. So I, I unfair to say he's. This is just him. I'm just. I was taking it from the Wade angle because clearly he had to have a big hand in creating this character since it's so much. I mean, again, they even had her. Her seminal moment of disappearance tie into his his jail his Justice League um, idea from the same. But but um, but I love how they took a lot of the people off the playing field by having them frozen. So they could they could focus on the characters they presumably wanted to have uh, on the game board, and so with the Avengers, it's it's Falcon, aka Sam Wilson. It's uh, Jane Foster, Thor, Vision, uh, the you know the 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 adult, not not to Viv, but the adult uh, classic Vision. Uh, it's uh, Wasp, who is uh, uh, Nadia Van Dyne, the, the daughter, and then Hercules. Then you've got the Unity Squad, which is Beast. Rogue is the leader. Brother Voodoo, uh, Human Torch, aka Johnny Storm, uh, Wonder Wonder Man, uh, Synapse, who's a new character introduced in that book, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Although he's not, he's actually more of a he's recently been kicked off the Unity Squad, but but he is he is a part of the story. Uh, U.S. Avengers, which is uh, Citizen V, which is Bobby DeCosta. Now he's Citizen V. He's not Sunspot anymore. Uh, Cannonball, Red Hulk, uh, Iron Patriot. And uh, then there's Hawkeye and Red Wolf, who are Occupy Avengers right now. And then we've got the new Voyager. And what I'm assuming is they're going to dust him off and maybe make him an official member uh, after this or coming out of this, which is uh, Lightning, formerly known as Living Lightning. So No kidding. Yeah. This sounds like all kinds of fun. It is, man. It's all kinds of fun. I love the Elders. I always loved during that, that, uh, that Ron Lim run on silver surfer back in the day i loved you know a lot of that focused on the elders uh so it's it's cool i I'm, i dig them I, I i love the black order um i'm down for this new lethal legion because it's always fun to have new new characters introduced into the mix too so so far so good and the art has just been breathtaking uh it's it's been fun there's a couple other very very personal stories that are going on uh under here including something involving uh the avengers Arguably most valuable member, Mr. Jarvis, uh, but I, I won't I won't spoil the details of it. But he's 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 featured prominently in the story so far. So this is a home run. It's five issues out of sixteen, so plenty of ways it can go astray. Um, I'll reserve judgment until we get uh, the last two thirds of it. But man, oh man, this is off to a rock and start. I haven't enjoyed a book. This is just pure Avengers superhero, right? There, there's no complexity beyond it it's it's and i haven't enjoyed anything like this since maybe 
um, that OGN that uh, Opania did, uh, the Ultron book, um, mm. Rage of Ultron. Yeah, I haven't, I, you know, just a straight up battle for uh, you know to save the Earth. So highly, highly recommend it. It is weekly, uh, so it's coming fast and furious. And um, yeah, man, super, super happy about it. I, I, I hope this is this is an indication of of the kind of Avengers we're about to get on a more consistent basis because it's just been hella fun. You know, I'm looking at 676 right now where they insert Voyager into... Yeah, that's old, where they do it all, yeah. ...old Marvel continuity. Yeah. And so Pepe Larraz drew all of this? It, there's not another artist listed in the credits? Yeah, he must have just been way... Like, they must have given him way far in advance to get working on this. What, what I'm saying is he mimics the style of Kirby, Neil Adams... Uh, oh yeah, there's a Sal Basima, uh yeah. spread here. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow, this looks. Oh my God, this Lethal Legion spread. Holy crap! Yeah, I, I should point out there is art uh, in other issues by a, a Kim Asinto, and I don't know if Kim is a man or a woman, but uh, but it's 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 awesome in its own right to the point where there's really not any noticeable drop off. And I'll just say right now, Kim Jacinto is going to be a force because this the art is tight and right. And uh, so I, I don't know if it's a he or she, but wow. but tight and right. I'm stunned. Yeah, it's great, man. It's great. I love most of these characters for sure. Um, it's just uh, it's a lot of fun. It's absolutely a lot of fun. Y'all, y'all need to. And and for those wondering if it wasn't clear, you, there's no reason you can't just just read this. Don't don't you don't need to have caught up. I know I caught up just in case, but you don't have you don't need to. What little things may have happened outside of the walls of these books, they they tell you. Like they reference the issues with vision and they reference that Quicksilver was kicked off the Unity Squad recently. I mean they they, they give you the, the requisite back backstory if it's pertinent. So This is gonna make a stunning hardcover. Oh I know, I'm stoked. Yeah. 16 issues. I hope they put out a nice oversized hardcover of it. I'm sure they will. Mm-hmm. Um, not a huge fan of Rogue, but no, I, know. I can get behind this look. Yep. She is beautiful. Yep. <laughs> As Damn is the Black you. Swan. Damn you. Oh, yeah. Black Swan's one of my favorites. Yeah. But Menticle is my favorite, though. Milty, I love, I love milky White Skin. <laughs> yeah. Menticle's yes, so, cool. It looks so like something out of Ben 10. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Very nice. Kudos to you for bringing this to our attention. And even better, I'm more likely to, to read this now that it's only appearing in one, one it's title. It's really well done. It's a, such a smart idea. And I, I was skeptical. And to your point, I, I, I guess there's no reason they couldn't have done this with basically the same pacing in terms of a couple issues a month if they did put this in Avengers, U.S. Avengers, um um, uncanny Avengers. If they, if they did this in all of them, right? I, they could have done that too. So smart of them to just put all those books on pause and just make this in a, a pure Avengers book. Makes a lot of sense. And you know, I don't know what the sales are for this, but um, I certainly think there's a lot to be said with the idea that um, a lot of these these groups of characters would be a lot better off with one one book featuring these characters and, and just kicking ass on that book. Um, 
you know, we talked a bit about it with X-Men last week. I, I don't think having X-Men Gold, Blue, and Red does any of those three titles any favors because I don't think there's many people with the inclination to buy three X-Men books uh, these days, especially if you're not sure what differentiates them. Uh, I think the same is true of Avengers. I think, you know, I think all, I think the, a lot of people kind of after the Hickman run, they, they got lost with the so many different people writing and drawing so many different groups of Avengers. Right. I mean, it's like the Avengers, the Avengers like the Justice League, there should be one Avengers team and it should be the, 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 the top heroes around facing the most significant crisis that requires a team to get together and do it. So, right. You know, funny, you should say that, uh, just today after work, I, I hit the, the comics on the green for, I needed some boxes. And, uh, my buddy Matt was saying that, uh, I said, have you read X-Men red? He goes, you need, you know what they need to do? They need to consolidate. Just, just, and he is a, an X-Men fan mm-hmm. from way, way back, much like yourself. And mm-hmm. he said the exact same thing that you did. They need to consolidate, give us one great X-Men title with the characters we want to see. None of these secondary tertiary <laughs> characters. Just, just give us our X-Men. I don't know, whatever that means. And, um, and just limit it to one yeah. title. Yep. That's what they got to do. Yep. And for those wondering, Voyager's official first appearance, because I know a lot of you are out there maniacal like me and collect first appearances, was actually Marvel Legacy number one a few months back. There was that little Avengers story where Jarvis is walking through and he says something, I'm paraphrasing, something like, you know, everything is the way it should be. And in the background, uh, there was a, a painting of the, it was either a painting or, or a look through the window of the, 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 the Avengers statue of the founding members. And in the statue is is oh, yes. Voyager's there in the statue, and it, it, it was a Easter egg that people were wondering, well, what's who, who's the lady like? What's the that's so technically that was her first appearance. It was the that was the big Easter egg hint of what was to come here. Nice, so that's pretty amazing. Yes. Oh, nice segue. Yep. Well, in in order for Vince to be able to use Marvel Rama in the show notes, I'll nice. I'll I'll bring something. Uh, I'll pivot and say that um, I read, I, I well, I read Amazing Spider-Man number seven ninety-five. Me too. Excellent. Um, and I'm I'm ready for this thing, this this event to happen because this issue, eh, little. Little, uh, little filony, little, little treading waterish kind of thing going yeah, on. Definitely, um, it is written by well, Dan Slott gets credit, but but also Christos Gage, uh, pencils by Michael Hawthorne, inks by Terry Pallet, who I don't hear about too often. I, I know he inked Gordon Purcell on a Deep Space Nine page that mm-hmm. Vince gave me many years ago, uh, and colors by um, Marte Gracia, and it is um. There are a couple things that I'm not going to say irk, but they it it's a bit of a a speed bump or a slow down from um, it's like we had that that fantastic issue and, and Wade following uh, the Venom crossover and. 
I was all ready because it felt like a a prologue and and for something that's really cool going to happen. But then again, so does this issue, and it doesn't. Um, even though it's part of this threat level red storyline, uh, you don't get the red until the last two pages. It's which almost is like an I mean, afterthought, right? Right. And and the main part is is it's it's a Marvel team up story. It's mm-hmm. just it's and it's part of it is neat, but it's not it's not groundbreaking it's nothing it it's it, it all it's almost like it's not worthy of of a marvel flagship it's just it's one of those things where it's the other hero in air quotes <laughs> is loki the current sorcerer supreme and and it's one thing you know if you want to if you're not reading doctor strange and you just see that cloak in the issue you may think don't know why you would, but you may think that that's the Doctor Strange you know and love, even though it gives it away on the cover. So, so stop with the trying to reveal things inside an issue if you've already blown it on the cover. But have um, you have Loki with his not? Um, it, it's as, as telling Vince before we started. Um, there was no. Uh, it, it's it was weird. There's there's no um, Asgardian font when Loki speaks and uh, it's because he's on earth. I also have, but it isn't because in the Dr. Strange series written by Donny Cates, it does use that font and it's, that's something else that kind of irks me a bit with this issue is that you have slot and gauge and neither of them are able to give you the same voice that Cates is giving the character in his own book. And that's, um, that's a bit of a bummer because I don't, it's as, and I'm enjoying the hell out of Dr. Strange. And I'll segue into that in a few minutes, but this, the, the Loki calls upon Spider-Man because he owes Spider-Man a favor. And, um, they, they do some nice, callbacks to uh to the clone conspiracy that may not be so nice but they also mention slightly in not so many words uh one more day and and spidey wants nothing to do with magic even though dr strange you know has erased his identity from most of the population and um spidey's gone to strange enough times in the past but he wants he doesn't want loki to do anything that will um cause spidey to uh owe him and 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 he knows spider-man's aware that magic has a price and loki's got this thing where it's just like before you go on before you go on what what did we see when when loki confronted spider-man with the chance to undo time we see we see mephisto Mephisto and spider-man's like you know what i'm something's telling me not to go along with this because i just get the feeling it's not a real good idea so the whole one more day thing is is referenced which i thought was good the uh it absolutely um the uh the art is okay uh but basically yeah peter parker's down in his luck he's 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 renting an apartment or room uh he has to get to 
work. He's got to get to the Daily Bugle, but he's got no money to refill a Metro card. Can't afford a uh, bus fare, so he's got to swing it, but he's going to be late. So he hitches a ride on the top of a train. That's when um, he shows up at work, but then he's called to Sanctum. 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 So he goes and he he doesn't. he's not aware that Loki current source of supreme so he shows sees loki there and um basically uh hijinks ensue because spider-man uncharacteristically just lashes out i I understand he's a little upset because he's like listen i don't i don't want any magic i don't want you to offer me anything i don't want you to promise me anything I, i i don't want people to play with my life anymore and and he he swings back and he breaks a large uh container which um contain i'm sorry it's a cask of containment and they um there are these fire wasps that have been freed uh because spider-man being a spider totem is the only thing that could break this uh their prison so spider-man and loki are trying to now corral them up and and uh but a couple of them take out a few people of uh of new york which of course is causing spider-man to be distraught because ever since marlo died he wants i'm sorry marla dies he, he wants no one else to uh to ever die uh based on on his actions or inactions so um he gets his head in the game he and Loki pretty much do what they have to do. The promise or the, the favor that Loki owes Spider-Man, uh, Spidey decides to um, use it to undo some of the damage. And and Loki's even offering, you know, listen, I, I will give you back your wealth before, you know, you <laughs> your your bad luck happened. And 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 Peter's like, no, none of it. I don't just just put everything back to the way it was like 20 minutes ago then we're good and we're fine and um and of course being loki there's some ulterior motives uh and he 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 tries to make the best of of or he at least he tries to give it a positive spin as he's watching the rest of the day unfold but um yeah and then we get to the end which is the reason for the issue's title and and leads us to the next um big deal in it's spider-man's life but it just it wasn't and and it wasn't um after i read 794 and i was all yeah let's let's full steam ahead this just really was like well that's not full steam so much just yet and uh that was a bit of a bummer but still um it's Spider-Man more or less in a way that I'm, I'm familiar with him, which is pre-Parker uh, Industries CEO. But the um, I'll I want to hear from Vince on this issue. No, you're absolutely correct. It was transitory. It, it was uh, you know let's just run in place before we get to the go down swinging arc, which is Dan's final hurrah on spider-man so they're just they're just biding their time to get to that but i i didn't 
dislike it. I thought it was fun. I, I, it does have a Marvel team-up vibe to it. Um, the one thing that bothered me, though, I thought I had missed an issue in between because when the bomb is dropped that S- Peter and Bobby are no longer an item. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it seemed like, wait a minute, did something happen? And, and but she explains it. Well, she does. But initially, she's just like, well... She's packing up her stuff, and she's like, I'm going to somewhere else because, you know, didn't work out with Peter. I'm like, wait a minute. Did, did I miss something? And then there's a, a, a later scene where the two of them are coming back from Britain, which was the last issue when they had to fight uh, Scorpio with the, the Zodiac key, which was really great. Um, again, mm-hmm. it, was, it was another transitory issue, just just keeping the peace while we get to No Surrender. But that was amazing um but this and and then they on on the flight back they decided that you know there was nothing there was no adventure there was no super heroics to be done they didn't really have anything to talk about they had no common ground so they decided just to break it off um i like the pairing of spider-man and mockingbird i thought it was fun um but now it's gone and it was done in such an offhanded way that it kind of belittled what they had set up before so it's like we're going to establish these two characters as the chemistry was really fun it was it was great and now it's just like oh yeah that's no longer a thing and even peter you you know peter laments over everything it was just like eh, no big deal you know it just it felt more like a plot contrivance than it did an actual thing that they had created where you had two fictional characters that really worked well together and it, it was it was this real thing that I thought was inserted into the books organically and and it just became with this just dismissing it offhand with Peter not really reacting to it at all. It it just became this yeah, we had to do something. So it was it was just mm. a thing, you know? But it wasn't just a thing. It it call me romantic, but it it was the one thing that he had that that made him not feel like a schlep, like a totally worthless human being after everything that went down in with with Parker Industries and there was always Bobby there, and and she would bolster him and get him off his ass and make him do shit and now he's got no one, so it's just like yeah until the next love interest comes in I I, I realize that, but I just don't like the way they just kind of like brush the crumbs off the table casually like that's that's no more Mm -hmm. that bothered me a little bit but other than that i i thought the issue was fun and totally in character with peter peter would decide to turn back time to save the man's life that's our peter that's what he does yeah so i thought that that was great somebody hasn't doesn't have any idea who this person is it just is this this person suffered because of uh of that it's it's not just Parker Luck; it's also Parker Guilt, and and that's right, right. Um, what's kept them going for so long. And you know, I looking at the page where where they introduced the Sorcerer Supreme. Had they used the Asgardian font, then it might have given something away. But because you're only seeing the back of this person, um, it may have been used to I'm giving them way too much credit here. But it may have been used to to throw you off. The scent. But again, it's on the goddamn cover. So you're really not 
surprising anybody with this. And now, and and speaking of Doctor Strange, I am I I love how Kate's is using the things that Jason Aaron had set up, uh, particularly when Wong had all the monks paying the price of Stephen's use of magic. They finally found a reason or a purpose for the century. And as Dr. Strange is using magic to face off against Loki, uh, it's the century who is actually being punished for it and and because he's pretty much invulnerable he can kind of just shrug it off and even take a nap while it's happening so this way there is no there are no sacrifices and and uh you can pretty much be guilt-free but steven takes sentry goes to asgard to um because he needs to plead with the world tree and um it all it all works it all makes sense it it and and so Dr. Stephen has a friend that we see early on in Donnie and, and, and Gabriel's run here where um, Stephen the vet has an assistant at work. Uh, that assistant uh, unfortunately dies because uh, his heart isn't too strong and Loki frightens him. Uh, so that's what Stephen uses as an offering and, and the world tree basically breaks off um, a piece for Stephen to use. And so Stephen shows up to confront Loki because Loki's trying to get behind this door. And Stephen is, is telling him he can't need whatever you do. You cannot look, you cannot unlock that door. You cannot look behind. Just, just get it out of your mind. And because Loki is stubborn, he refuses to listen to reason. Um, he's like dead. Zelma. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Zelma uses a spell last heard or read seen in the oath. And basically Loki nor Steven can use magic. Uh, for a few minutes. Unfortunately, while Stephen is human and powerless, even though Loki doesn't possess the abilities of the Sorcerer Supreme, he's still a god and can still hurt Stephen. So there's a little bit of a knockdown dragout fight. Uh, and then there's a pretty heavy cliffhanger at the end of uh, issue 384, which I won't I won't spoil. But uh, I am... Uh, the art is fantastic. Walt is doing some fantastic work here, but uh, I am... It's, I, I re, it, it's great seeing Stephen Strange while he's not necessarily the Sorcerer Supreme, but still behaving like the Sorcerer Supreme. So it, it, it's, I'm having a lot of fun with this book more than I probably should be, and and it's, uh, I, I think the creators are just having a blast with it and, and I'm glad I'm on for the ride. So when I read something like that and then see the main character from that book in another book, uh, just not sounding the same behaving, even to a degree, uh, the same, it's just not, it, it doesn't add to, uh, 
any lack of enjoyment I had about Amazing 795. But yeah, other than that, I mean, overall, it's it's been a very, very fun uh, Marvel O'Rom as far as I'm concerned for this episode. Look at you. You know what um, I thought was completely in character with Loki in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man? Was the way he sent the raven with the magic note straight into into the bugle offices. Didn't give a shit. You know, Peter Parker has an alter ego. Loki does not care. He's like, you know what? Your place of business? I'm I'm going to send you a magic raven. Like, what? (laughs) What the hell's wrong with you? Gods don't give a fuck. They don't. They're down with the aloofness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What we got? What, uh... I want to know, uh, Dap, what you thought of Black Lightning. The TV show? Yes. Starring Cress uh, Williams. Yes. Uh, Cress Williams, who looks extremely fit as Jefferson Pierce, uh, although my wife refers to the show as Fat Lightning. That, that suit wow. adds a lot. The suit of, does make him look a little oh, chubby. It's weird, right? It does. Yeah. Uh, 07. I, that's how old he is, by the way. Is he? Good for yeah. him. He looks great. Um, actually... My wife and I watched it before uh, we started tonight, but it's a, um, I, I like it. Um, I, I love the idea that we are like nine years after we last saw Black Lightning. We're not getting the origin. We're not getting the, the year one. We're not, we're not learning as he learns like we did with Arrow or the Flash or even Supergirl. It's, it's, he's, he's been established and, now more or less he's back and and this is where we're catching up so uh the i i like the family dynamic aspect of it i i like the idea with the him going up against the gangs and i mean he's he's kids look up to him and and Mm -hmm. old old students or, or kids he grew up with um grown folk that, that he grew up with I still respect look up to him he's, he's a pillar of the community i i love that idea it's it's it is a it's a positive show it's it's a um and it doesn't there are some parts where it may feel a little cwe but it it overall i'm i'm liking it a lot and again i i think my only cringeworthy moments of it are are in the in the light up suit i i wish it just looked a little a little different but i think as far as what he's trying to do and and tobias whale and and the daughters and i'm i'm liking i if the suit is two percent of it i i like 98 percent of the show mm-hmm. now yeah. i know tobias whale is an existing character and i i'm pretty sure i've read if and an arc or two over the years with with the character, but is Tobias Whale a albino black man in the comics? He is he is drawn to look like a very wide, pale individual. I don't know if Tony Isabella, when he first introduced the character, uh, made it made it specifically to say that Tobias Whale is also African-American, as is Jefferson Pierce. I don't know that. I uh, just uh, looked it up. I should have looked it up before asking. In fact, he was, in fact, uh, created by Tony Isabella and Trevor Von Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was he was Black Lightning's original 
arch nemesis, and he is an African American albino who worked Perfect. his way up the rackets to become the head of the one hundred. So I guess they're staying pretty true to the source material. They are, as far as the original source material, the current Black Lightning miniseries um, that DC is publishing is um, the the Cold Dead Hands story. That Tobias Whale is not an albino. And the way that series is being written, it's almost as if this is almost like Black Lightning's kind of sort of first appearance in this post-rebirth DC universe. It's it, it's kind of weird. It, it's it's skating on, on an edge of something, and I'm not quite sure, and, and I might... Maybe it'll come together by the time the, 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 the series wraps up, but it has nothing to do with the show that we're talking about, so please continue. I'm sorry. No, I, I liked it quite a bit as well. I, I think the thing I like the most about it is that, frankly, it's it's pretty... I mean, it's it's hood. Like, it's it's not... Like, I'm surprised, actually, that... that I guess I assume that, like, the CW... I don't know. Like, I was I was pleasantly surprised that that they, you know, they played it pretty legit, like, in terms of 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 the the tone and and um you know they're not afraid to you know they weren't afraid to to you know use slang and 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 like envelop themselves in 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 the setting you know what i mean like which which i i was you know i was like i was i mean it was a pleasant surprise so so there were definitely elements that are like cw-ish but it just it did feel it it just i don't know it felt a little more uh grimy than i expected like you know this is like this is a different kind of like sure in arrow there are assassins and it's street level and yes there there is murder but but this was this was gangster right i mean they're you know they're they're there's dudes strapping in you know at, at school and there's you know there's there's girls being tur- you know forced into turning tricks and um it just was was a much more uh, in you know, in your face in terms of like the the setting than I expected from a CW show, mm-hmm. which uh, just feels a little more saccharine to me in the attempt to appeal to. Like you can't imagine. I mean, the tone of this versus the Flash, right, is like 180 degrees. Yes, right. Yes. I mean, the Flash is even in it, even in its most harrowing moments is a feel good show. There, there's still smiles on everybody's faces. They're cutting jokes. They got jokes. Uh, this was just the opposite. Now, I have to say the only thing that I struggled with was that his younger daughter, who is supposed to be a smart, intelligent, alpha, you know, alpha girl who by all accounts is like one of the smartest, if not the smartest girls in her school, is a track star, is is considered a model citizen at the school, is sneaking off to go to a nightclub at 17 that is known to be owned by the worst gang in America and she's she's, she's smoking weed like and then talking about how she would have fucked the dude in the bathroom you know if he would let her like <laughs> it, it seemed like they went a little far to make her the bad girl you know what I mean like sneaking off with your friends to go drink at a party okay you, a, a girl like that I could see doing but rolling into a club where it's a known you know gang club and then she's getting high. Mm. Felt a little hard to believe that that girl, like you could have that wide of a good, good girl, bad girl type of a vibe to me. 
like make her rebellious or don't like you know what i'm saying like i i can't like i don't think a girl that's sneaking off to a club on a school night to hang out with with gangbangers and smoking weed is also a track star like i'm not buying that so (laughs) i need to i need to rein that in figure her character out a little bit more either make her the rebellious bad girl that's always getting herself into trouble and giving him agita or bring her back a little bit and make her like a more normal teenage girl that's just trying to like have a little extra fun, you know. Well, she 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 did tell the parents when she was planning on having sex. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel you. I know it's and it's, yeah. it's definitely one of those things where it's, it can be, um, it can be a little inconsistent. They they're just um, and they need he, to be a little careful with the power set in the sense that like he's forty seven year old dude. He hasn't been a hero in, a, in nine years. We know from Jump that he gave up being Black Lightning the first time because he almost died because he was getting beaten up and cut up and his wife just couldn't have it anymore. And then he comes back, he's forced back into it, and he's immediately getting beaten up again and in bad shape. And yet, like, when he's fighting, he could do lots of different things, and it seems a little bit like they're playing the whole... And they do this with Flash, too, like the whole, like, well, whatever we need him to do to fit the story, we're going to let him do. You know, right. like, like, oh, he can... Like he can kind of fly sometimes, or like jump far. Like he can, he can move real fast, but then sometimes he still gets hit. Like I, it just, I, I like them to kind of, and I just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold it against him because first of all, it's a superhero story, so you know, have at it. But two, I, I, I do attribute a bit to they're still trying to figure out the tone because let's, if we go back and look at that first season of Arrow, right? I mean, a, a much different, you know. No, I'm saying like so. Like, I'm right. a, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give him a chance to kind of like feel it out. And, uh, and and get a more consistent vibe for what he's what he's able to do, not able to do. But I do love the idea of of a of an older gentleman, forty set. You know, I mean, even in the show, I even he's got to be around that close to that age, right? Yeah, he's been yeah. the principal at this school for a decade. He's got a grown ass daughter who's a who's a doctor, so yep. she's at least in her late twenties, and she's so he's got to be in his mid to late forties on the show too. So. Um, I think that's neat. That that's neat to see. You don't see that very often. Um, I like the supporting cast a lot. I love his wife. Uh, I think she's beautiful. I think she's she she's a very very. I mean, so far so good on that. I think she's. Uh, you know, I, I think her his his best his best friend, the cop. He needs. He runs the risk a little bit of being neutered. Like he's been pretty much purely incompetent so far. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They need to give him a couple W's. I think some dubs. Um, I think Tobias Wolf I get actually getting an albino black guy to, to play Tobias Wolf's pretty impressive. I don't, I don't know that that's a, a straight up. Uh, I don't know that that acting pool is very large. <laughs> you know, like well, I, apparently Homeboy's only been in. Uh, this is his first major role. The only other thing I saw him on IMDb was one episode of Harry's Law, which is that uh, which right. was a show that's on a bunch of years ago. So. Yeah, he's a rapper, apparently. I, admittedly, I, oh, I, nice. I'd never heard of him, though, I have to say. He's apparently a member of a group called Strong Arm Steady, which I must say I don't know anything about. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, so so I think it's cool. It definitely could, could go some interesting places. Um, I, I presume I, the way it's going in the early start, I'm presuming, um, like, Tobias Wolf will be – there'll be more and more underlings – that'll be villains in different seasons in the sense that I can't see this current incarnation of the hundred and that, that structure lasting all that long. They seem to be off to a pretty incompetent start. Um, maybe not. I don't know, but, but it does seem like 
they could go in a lot of interesting directions with it. Um, and yeah, I'm with you. I think the only thing is that the quote unquote new suit created by James Remar, by the way, for the yes. director in many, many shows. Um, he, he, um, yeah, the suit's a little bulky, a little bulky. And then, uh, and then the daughter too. We didn't mention that his daughter is, uh, she's a meta as well. Yes. Yes. They, they're, um, I'm glad that they, I, I was very surprised that they played that card so soon. Yeah. Um, I love seeing it. And I, I, I she's like Thunder Vince, you know, from the outsiders. Did Vince run off to a, no, I'm here. Did he lose Vince? Oh, his daughter is Thunder from, uh, the outsiders. Nice. I can see you thrilled over that. No, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I, I'm listening to to you guys talk about it, and I'm thinking there's no way in God's green earth I would li- I would watch this show. <laughs> of course you would. Too many black people. The uh, there's um, and she is she is not only apparently um, the Anissa and um, played by. Um, Nefessa Williams is the first African American to play both African American woman to play both a uh, a lesbian and a superhero on a a uh, a show. Which they're 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 breaking quite a bit of ground with this show, and and they don't like you said, Jason. They're, they they don't really Wait, pull isn't their that punch. a pretty thin category? Yes, absolutely. For it's, for the first ever black female. Uh, or black lesbian uh, superpowered person. <laughs> I mean, how many how many chances have there been? Uh, they they well they haven't. I'm being a CW. I'm surprised the Flash or Arrow. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Supergirl. I'm surprised that um, uh, Alex Danvers hasn't dated one yet. Oh, but true. Yeah. The um, something for us to ask uh, Tom Rainey about the next time we see him at a con because he created her. He did. Yeah, with Judd Winnick. He uh, yep. and what's I I would love to find out if they are going to. Um, do anything as far as um, paying tribute to, the, to, to to any source material because uh, Oliver Queen in uh, has betted uh, Anissa Pierce many many years ago. So um, I don't know if they're planning on doing any. Any crossovers or anything? I, I kind of hope they don't, at least just yet. I, I, I want this to to be its own thing for now. Um, we haven't seen reports of any other metas or, or what's going on in Central. No one's mentioned a Central City or or even a Gotham City. So uh, I, I like that this is pretty much doing its its own thing. And uh, the the Tony and Trevor both get credited at the beginning of of each episode, which you don't, I think, um, I, I, I got to double check about the Supergirl stuff, but I know that uh, as far as the Flash and Arrow, it just says uh, based on characters published in DC Comics. So um, I love it when, uh, when creators get the credit they deserve. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're digging it. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it could have gone either way. And and so far, it's been improving with each episode. No there doubt. You, there you go. David, I have a little nugget in my In Your Travels that will uh, continue the conceptual continuity that you just talked about. Love it. 
Nice. All right, everybody. As always, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by who? Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your home for a mere fraction of what everybody else is paying in the brick-and-mortar stores. Action Comics, $1,399. That's half off the $7.99 cover price. Aliens, Dust to Dust by Gabriel Hardman is $1.99. And Robocop. Citizens Arrest by Jason's cousin Brian Wood is uh, $1.99. Go there to cbservice.com. In your travels, if you want to be shaken and disturbed on a level that um, few books manage to achieve, I implore you to read the last offering from season one of the all-time comics line. This is Blind Justice, number two, mm-hmm. written by my boo, Josh Bayer, uh, illustrated by Noah Van Skyver, inks by Al Milgram, and letters by Rick Parker. Uh, I messaged Josh after I read this, and I said, buddy, um, I've read this issue about three times, and it messed me up pretty bad. Uh, this story, in a nutshell, there's a serial killer on the loose in Optic City. Uh, when the book opens, you see a mother and three children being accosted by this killer. His name is Miller. He's an overweight, hirsute man with a, he's balding, but he has a forelock, little sprig of hair that trails down in front of his face um, and he murders the people in a way that has not been seen the brutality uh, shocks even the forensic people it's like they could not believe what someone could do to another human being just destroyed these people and um, blind justice Schrader is is in a, a a nursing home of sorts and he catches wind of what's going on and and he puts on the the blind justice uh gear and heads out and he eventually comes face to face with miller um but the confrontation doesn't go entirely uh as planned he pulps blind justice's hands to the point where he can't even use them anymore like his you can see the bone through the like the skin is hanging off his his hands and um, but it's, it's the, the monologuing that Miller does when the two of them are, are in the, in the woods, uh, coming to that last, that, that fateful showdown. It's, it's really disturbing. Um, just the, uh, what comes out of this character's mouth. He thinks that the vic- his victims go on this conceptual altar. He says, I need another victim for my altar. Like he's some kind of holy man. And um, he's some of the dialogue. Listen to this. Um, we must relish these things. Do you the blind justice and, and he are witnessing the the uh, sunset? And he said, we must relish these things. Say, do you believe in reincarnation? The sun, you see it rise, you see it set. Red as blood. It's a circle, a cycle, a cycle of birth and endless crippling horror, then death, then rebirth, then more horror. It's what people believe in, whatever they, whether they know it 
or not. It's what everyone hopes for, another chance after the end. People live on hope. It takes a special type of person to embrace the moment they are in. Special moment above all else. The end of a cycle. And he goes on and on and on with this deranged soliloquy while the two of them are, are going at it. And it's just... It's very disturbing, but the conceptual continuity I was hinting at when I said this, season two of all-time comics is in the works. And guess, David, who one of the artists on a book coming from season two will be. Now, I said it when you were talking about Black Lightning. So Trevor Von Eden. Trevor Von Eden is drawing a book for Josh Bayer's all-time comics. Yes. Oh, that's crazy. Yep. That is and, awesome. And Especially because I have that Black Panther by Vanita. <laughs> I was waiting favorite for that. All time. What I was waiting for. And they and he, it looks for. like he's drawing uh, Crime Destroyer, but they they have oh, some preview pages nice. in the back of um, Blind Justice number two, and the pages look amazing, absolutely amazing. But uh, if you haven't gotten into the all-time comics, I implore you, they're so damn good. And there's only six of them, a lot of fanographics, two Blind Justice, two Crime Destroyer, um, that, 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 one Atlas, and um, what was the other one? Uh, Bullwhip. So uh, get in on this. They're, they're, and they're, they're old-timey, and they're contemporary, and they're just amazing. Get them. Love so it. I'm, I'm done. You go. You done? I am done. My turn. I go. Done, done. Did it. Done. Did it. Know? Did it. Um, real quick because I'm not going. I don't want to spoil anything for this. It's um, it looks absolutely amazing. It is from Image Comics. It is written by Ivan Brandon. It is illustrated beautifully by Mister Isat Ribic. Uh, colors by Nick Klein. This is Versus. Mm. It is the first issue. It is a um. It's it's crazy and beautiful is going to come up an awful lot, but it's I love the idea behind it because it's a world where um, advertising ties into a lot of what's going during the fight. You um, you get a little pop up caption box that basically you know says we're going to. Um, there's like an ad for something else coming up on, on Tuesday night and you get, um, you get little info dumps here and there. Uh, the main character that you're following is, uh, is a blue skinned gentleman by the name of Flynn. Uh, he was, um, he was injured in the war of the seven fires back in the spring. Uh, but he has been, uh, rehabilitated and is ready to come back to help his squad fight while he's in the back of a limo, uh, arguing with other people in the vehicle. Uh, he, um, a little pop-up on the display of the dashboard says you're overdue for a commercial break. So he says, you know, times like this, I need a cold one. And there's cherry combat that he's sipping on. And it's just a little commercial message. It's almost like it's reality TV. Uh, not almost. It pretty much is reality TV, but it's, you're, you're thrown into it and, and you kind of have to just more or less figure things out. As, as you're going along in the issue, his squad, Flynn's squad, are fighting basically what look like um, 
uh, Roman centurions. Uh, it's it's a um, so I'm not sure if they were plucked. I mean, just looking at a first glance, you might think that they were either plucked from from their time and transported here, or if that's just um, those are just the enemies playing dress up. But it, it's it's just I like the idea of it. I, I, I dig the concept. I I like Brandon's work. Uh, I haven't read everything by him. I thought Drifter looked neat, and and um, it's it's a book that I think I would like to finish eventually. I know Vince and I started talking about it, the first few issues uh that's pretty much when i kind of left it but it I, I enjoyed the idea behind that as well but this just looks fantastic i don't know what the schedule is going to be like i don't know if um if, if if they were judging by the back matter in the letter that that ivan wrote things all came together fairly um these were ideas that they had had about working together or, or a few years back. Um, I've been wanted to work with, uh, with these had, and then everybody had their own other projects to come up with, but they, um, they finally came together. I, I don't know how long ago it finally came together. So I don't know how far ahead, uh, Rivik has when it comes to, I, I can't imagine. I know he's not coloring this, but some of the detail and um, it's not like saga where, you know, the, the backgrounds are kind of painterly there. There, there are some things here that are actually uh, more or less drawn and that need to be filled in. So I don't know how far ahead uh, Ribic is art wise, but I don't judging by the, the action, the speed, the, um, the, the, the frenetic feel of the first issue. I, don't know how well this will read if you have to wait months uh, between issues if the arc hasn't been finished. So that that's my only concern. And obviously, this being the first issue, it's silly to have that concern just yet. But it's if you're on the fence about something, if you were willing to, to take a shot and, and had a couple bucks in your pocket that you wanted to spend on something else, this is definitely one of those things that I would consider something else for, for someone to just give a shot. And it, it's, you're either going to really love the idea and love the way this book looks, or you're just going to be like, you know what, this, this ain't for me. I think based on some of the people I know, this will definitely uh, fall in the former for them. I'm done. All right. All right. Right. All right. On. Uh, and my inner travels is from a, publisher you may or may not have heard of called boom studios mm. written by mr saladin ahmed and drawn by mr sammy kivela it is abbott number one this is a story of a woman named elena abbott who is a investigative journalist working for a newspaper in the 70s and she's a badass. She's uh, there's definitely a tinge of of black exploitation film in this. Um, and she is hot on the trail of a series of gruesome murders where bodies are being mutilated. 
and it is uh, very much set in a racially tinged environment where um, being a woman and being a black woman uh, does her no favors in her quest to be an investigative journalist. She is fresh off of a series of exposés about police brutality as well. So the uh, a lot of the police are certainly looking to do her no favors, but she's on a quest. And where this uh, book it takes a bit of an interesting turn is that um, one could argue a story set uh, in the 70s um, in that vibe about a series of murders and, and, a, and a strong female character would be enough to sell the book. But uh, but but Saladin and, and Sammy give us a, a little extra twist in that there also are, in fact, dark um, occult forces at play. There are demons and monsters that are uh, in, involved in in the crimes being committed. So thought it was a great setup issue. First issue introducing us to the characters, to the setting. Uh, Cavella's art is, uh, is, is terrific. It's, it's not dissimilar to me in both the, the, the style as well as the, the, the setting and the, and the layouts, um, as what we saw from say Bilquis Evely in the first shaft miniseries that David Walker did a couple years back. Um, and I gotta say, um, you know, uh, Saladin has been around a long time. He's he's a won a, a ton of awards as a novelist. Um, he's he's in his forties, so he's he's not a, not a new kid on the block, but he's relatively new to comics, at least as far as I I can think of. He's, he's uh, been doing. Hmm? No, I'm he's sorry. Been, no, I was gonna say he's been doing Black Bolt. Yes. Um, and uh, and I did read the first two issues of that on on Marvel Unlimited, and it's very good. Uh, incidentally, but. But, uh, yeah, this is, like I said, a strong setup issue. Uh, I'm all in. I, I'm a mark for that kind of setting uh, in the first place. Um, and, I, and I dig the little extra idea of there being some, some dark magic involved as well. So, um, so they, they, uh, they, they did a great job. Hopefully the book, uh, you know, it's, it's always tough for books like this from publishers like this to catch people's eye. I hope, I hope enough people gave it a try. Seems like it's getting some decent critical acclaim at the very least, and uh, I would definitely commend it to all of your attention if you're looking for a good genre crime story. Nice. Sounds interesting. Uh, what was the name of it again? I didn't catch the name. Uh, uh, sorry, Abbott. A B B O T T. It's her last name. Cool. From Boom. Mm-hmm. Boom. Nice. Boom. Sweet. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here once again. We'll be back Wednesday, Wednesday, with a special Valentine's Day love letter to y'all. And uh, we, we hope you, yeah, we hope you join us. We'll have something uh, hot and or cold and sweet, what it, with it being Valentine's Day, uh, waiting for you. So come on back, brothers and sisters. In the meantime, say goodnight. Bing, bing, bing. David. Good night. David. Nice. That's very good. Um, Twitter update. I'm glad you approve. Yeah, well, I always do. Twitter update. We did not get any response to our... uh, It's like he's three years old. We did not get a. That res- wasn't me that time, you clown. <laughs> we did not get <laughs> for the record a reply to our Twitter inquiry 
about the man thing, but maybe for maybe by Wednesday one will come. So uh, we'll keep that you updated. Me. He did. We'll keep you updated. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I was framed. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> oh, no.